Content warning, this episode of Stereo Shoes contains strong language and references to sexual acts, death, religious debate, and Israeli-Palestinian conflict. So I was um, raised in a Catholic church, uh, and I went to a private Christian elementary school, actually. My first memories of faith, uh, like understanding what uh, the Christian God might be, and, and, and like giving myself to it, like being like, I have to trust this, this idea. Um, and I remember the first time watching like a science video in second grade, where at the end of the video, it was like, okay, okay, children, let's accept Jesus into your heart. <laughs> um, everyone pray with me. And it like forced us all to pray with it. But I remember like, I remember like, okay, this is it. Like I, I put so much uh, emphasis into that moment. <laughs> like I'm accepting Jesus into my heart. And I like tried to, I, it's, it's a very vivid memory for me. Like I tried to like live that moment for a while. Welcome to Stereo Shoes presented by Laughing Pig Theater. I'm Taylor Machete and I'll be this episode's host. Because winter is full of events like Christmas, Hanukkah, Diwali, and Kwanzaa, we decided to look at belief systems for this episode. We wanted to explore what role faith, or the lack of it, plays in our lives. Are faith and religion the same thing? How does it affect our outlook on the world? The first voice you heard was Jeremy Niblett, who we will hear more from later. But we started with that because for many people, their belief system is founded on what they grew up with. The beliefs of our families and friends are the first we encounter, and those experiences can lead us down the same path, or a very different one. Sharing some of those experiences, we have Chris Chavez, Lee Quarry, Trajan Dunkley, and an anonymous contributor. For a little background, Chris hosts a podcast called Believer Skeptic Podcast, which investigates ghost stories and folklore. He's the believer, and we get to hear why. It's always been a struggle, uh, just because our family was kind of looked at in a quote-unquote kind of black sheep because we didn't follow that side of the family's uh religion you know mm. so we, we were always looked at uh, uh, at differently so anything that i read or i listened to or i watched they were always you know had something to say or had some comment or some you know question that you know and that's always what's always kind of pushed me away you know um I don't, I can't think of an exact moment of where that all came for me and mm -hmm. said that that's, that's why, but like, I just think it was just a, it's a, a transition throughout my life because I've always had that kind of, you know, thing that those kind of questions or questioning what I did, you know, and then as I became comfortable with myself in my sexuality, I think that also had something to do with it too because again that is something that they don't look upon very kindly you know can you remember any of the things that you were listening to or watching that you remember them commenting on <laughs> i i remember a book in that i read when i was um i was probably like sixth or seventh grade i used to be a huge christopher pike fan hmm. and 
Um, there's one book in particular that he wrote called Witch. And I remember my aunt making a comment, uh, just saying something to the effect of, you know, you better watch out what you read or you better careful with that, you know, wow. making it seem like that was going to influence how my my beliefs or something of that nature. You know? <laughs> so she saw a book with the word witch on it and she assumed it was like an instruction manual. <laughs> in a sense, I guess. Yeah. And <laughs> And not only that, I know always since I've been a, uh, a young kid, I've always um, liked horror movies and things on the darker side <laughs> of, of the way, you know? So that was, of course, always commented on or looked at weird as well, you know? Has that ever been something that you needed to reconcile, like your enjoyment of darker things? Um, no, as it comes to being spiritual, um, I've had this conversation with my brother too. It's, it's kind of the yin and the yang with, with the, with the light, there's also darkness, you know, so we got to embrace the both because they, they are, they're one, I wouldn't say one and the same, but they are, there is definitely, um, both in that kind of thought, you know, yeah. um, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. That, that leads into a question I, I specifically kind of had for you, just um, the podcast that you have, the believer skeptic podcast. I mean, the whole we're open maybe to the idea that these things are around and your, your partner is not your, your co-host is not. Um, so uh -huh. <laughs> why, why, what is it about that kind of stuff that you think makes it easy for you to believe it? Um, I think partially it does have a lot to do with my, uh, with my, my culture as well. I am, I consider myself Chicano, Mexican American, you know, um, and where I grew up, it was all, uh, same people like, like me, um, you know, of Latinx heritage as well as Native American. And that's what I was surrounded by for most of my life. And the Native American people are very spiritual people and as, as we are in the Latinx culture too. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well, you know, because since I was a kid, I've been told about things of like La Llorona or like the, the, the Coco as they call him or the, what we'd call the boogeyman, you mm -hmm. know? So things of that nature, I've always been told. My dad has always told me about like ghost stories and, and, and things of that uh, nature. So it's just kind of been instilled in me, whether, you know, I, I think of it as not, not intentionally, but it's always kind of been there in the back of in my mind because it's something that I grew up with. You know, I, I am from New Mexico, which I, New Mexico... As far as I know, my family was there when it was still part of old Mexico. And a lot of the beliefs that come from the indigenous people of Mexico um, is something that I really hold on to. Like um, it's called curanderismo or um, generically, a lot of people would, would re, uh, maybe relate that to shamanism or paganism um, even, you know, but it's, a, but it's a lot more complicated than that. But that is something that I really believe in and, and hold on to too. And I think that's also not just because of what I think, but I think it's also instilled in me and it's in my blood, you know. That's something that um, was ever an issue as well growing up with, the uh, clashing like the Methodist or Pentecost? Uh, yeah. um, 
I, it's funny because that, like that whole thoughts on that really didn't come to me till I, I was an adult. I mean, as, as a kid, we went through certain like, I wouldn't say, say rituals exactly, but like, like if somebody was sick, there was a certain herb they would give them or a certain oh. thing that they would do. But I didn't think of it then as part of, of this, uh, shamanism or curanderismo, but now as an adult, I, I know how it relates to that and that it's actually part of that and part of our ancestry. So, so it's, it's very different thinking of it now as, as an adult, because as a kid, it was just part of the way we lived and part of the way that people did things, you know? My mother was the person who made me, she didn't make me, she, she was masterful that one. I, I, when I was really little, I used to not go to church with her. My father was an atheist and my mother was religious. And so I, my father always said I had the choice not to go to church. And one time my mother was driving and I was in the back seat and she said to me, it really, it really hurts me when you don't go to church with me. I wish you would go to church with me. And I was like, oh, I just think it's boring. She said, well, it would mean a lot to me if you came. And just the way she said it, I did not want to hurt my mom's feelings. I did not want to disappoint her. So I said, okay, mom, I'll go to church with you. And honestly, I went every Sunday from then on, except like once or twice when I was sick until, until a little after my mother passed away. And that was, um, that actually, I think was the core of my faith now, dependability. I told my mother at the age of three, I would go to church with her every Sunday. And so I did, because I wanted her to depend on me to be there. I I mean, the only like real point of contention is just like there, like my sister was in this like almost like culty, like evangelical church thing. And they tried to like force me to like get baptized when I was seven. And my mom was like, no, she's seven. And the lady was like, listen, I understand you're her mother, but you're not in charge of her soul. And my mom almost like knocked this lady out. And she was like, we're never coming here again. <laughs> like, because she had those strong beliefs, she like wasn't going to let it go because like baptism is like a very important thing to her. That's like you are making a covenant with God that cannot be broken. And like a child does not have the mental capacity to understand what they're getting into, you know, and it, and it was pretty clear that like this woman just wanted like another convert for like some reason. And she didn't actually care about, you know, my soul or whatever. She just wanted another member of her church. And my mom was like, absolutely not like whether or not you go to this church, like you have made a promise to God. So you are not going to make that until you're ready. Like my mom hasn't like gone to church in like years. Cause she's like, you know an introvert she doesn't like being around people but she still does have like a very like deep faith that is that is just kind of taken for granted you know that like you know god is real god loves us and god is you know watching over us and will protect us and you know i think because she's had that faith she's been able to guide our family through some really hard times without like you know like losing it or or you know like she just kind of like very calmly was like this is bad right now but you know i made a promise to god and god made a promise to me and we're both going to keep it and you know in the end you know we did get out of those bad times and you know we're doing we're doing all right so you know maybe 
maybe again it's just like her faith that everything is going to be okay did in the end make everything okay you know it led her to the ways to get out of any tough situations our family was in but I remember I got fried from a classmate um it was like an end of the year I think it was seventh or eighth grade it was an end of year activity at like the family fun center in our area Mm -hmm. it was like arcade games and bumper cars and that kind of thing well my mom was working dad was working I didn't have a ride so I got a friend from a classmate um we weren't super close we knew each other though because we had been in honors classes together for the last two years and um he was just like yeah we can take you and I remember on the ride down it was maybe a 15 minute ride from the school to this place somehow it came up in that short conversation that like my my religion came up and he started talking about Mm. it And then his mom, who was driving us, started talking about it. And she was very opinionated about it and was challenging a lot on it. And at the time, I remember it kind of took me back because I was raised that you are respectful of your elders. You know, you answer questions, you don't argue, you don't disrespect, that kind of a thing. And so when I guess I like it was just a very different experience because at this point, it wasn't a classmate who was challenging it was an adult and it was a person who I was supposed to respect, but it was a person who was challenging me and and asking me things that I couldn't really answer at the time. So that was, I guess, a really impactful experience for me because I remember just getting out of the car and just like thinking, what the heck just happened? Like, what was that conversation? And it really just stuck with me. And looking back now as a parent, I, I would never want to put anyone in that kind of a situation because I know how uncomfortable it made me feel. So I think the biggest thing for me just with raising my family is that I've always tried to emphasize with them, like, this is, this is what I believe, you know, this is how I'm, I'm raising you. This is kind of what we structured off of, but not everyone believes this way. And we still need to be open and understanding and just be friends to all, you know, and if you have questions asked, but do it in a way that isn't combative or accusatory or like challenging to them because it's, we just need to kind of, I guess, be open and understanding that our belief isn't the only belief system that's out there. And we just need to be respectful of that with everybody. Some of that probably made a few of you cringe. Inevitably, we've all been pulled into a conversation about faith with someone who has a different outlook. Talking about it with kids is one thing. (laughs) Full-grown adults are another. It's an inflammatory subject, so what do you do? Do you hope it never gets brought up or do you tackle the debate headfirst? Anonymous, Trajan, and Lee weighed in, along with Talia Lehrer. Um, Honestly, I, I am very much, just by nature, I do not like conflict, I do not like confrontation. Um. I, from being a kid, I very much am a people pleaser. Like I just try to make everything else go as smoothly as possible for everybody else. Um, and that, you know, sometimes has its <laughs> flaws and, you know, whatever. I'm trying to learn how to set boundaries, but definitely from a personal standpoint, like part of it is just my nature. Um, but I do, you know, I, I think belief systems in general, um, they're touchy. It, it's a touchy subject. Like it, it really, right. and I think just depending on the audience and depending on who you're with, like sometimes I am a little bit more open and a little bit more comfortable with talking about it and maybe like sharing things about it. But um, I, I feel like 
I, I, I guess I kind of feel like society in, in general is a lot more reactive to things. And mm. I feel like it is very easy for a lot of things to be taken out of content and with so much of everything being available on social media and internet and whatever, I guess for me personally, like I'm not a very eloquent speaker. I don't think that I am. My thoughts are always in a huge jumble and trying to get them from my brain to my mouth in a clear manner. It very rarely happens how I want it to. So the last thing that I want is for me to like be sharing something, saying it incorrectly or not expressing it fully how I want to. And then having that like recorded and spun back. And I know that's kind of a worst case scenario, but I guess for me, that's part of just why I am so cautious and reserved about it is I feel like maybe the, I don't know, there's a time and a place and a time just in general, I guess for me, I'm really good at talking myself out of like, okay, well, this isn't the time, this isn't the place, like, you know, well, we can come back to this later. If, but I guess, I mean, if someone asks me, I'm always open. I just am not typically the one who's going to initiate that conversation. Um, arguing is definitely a part of the Jewish tradition. It's definitely, it's definitely <laughs> a part of it. So that is something I definitely come by when I'm at the, the Passover Seder at the Shabbat table for dinner and I'm talking to a colleague or appear sometimes we are arguing and i i enjoy it um but the thing <laughs> is you you can't change people's minds for them so mm. i always just kind of argue my point and just kind of at the end of it let people be who they are and have them learn at their own pace because going back to you know the soul learning it's that everyone's on their own journey and, you know, they need to learn what they need to learn and you can't change them. They have to do it for themselves. Is that something difficult to let go of sometimes? Um, it used to be, but it's like, it's like muscle memory. Mm. Like the more you practice it, the mm. easier it gets. I mean, I feel like most of life is just like tiny coping mechanisms. <laughs> uh. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I obviously have no proof that, like, this person that was, like, a total, you know, total asshole to me, you know, feels bad on the inside. You know, maybe they are living just, like, a beautiful life or whatever, but I just don't see how that's possible. And I guess, like, I guess that is a comfort to me, you know, like, the idea that, like, oh, yeah, you're going to get your someday, buddy. And obviously, I have no way of knowing that's true unless I, like make that justice happen but then that's hurting my own soul you know like if I like you know if you like kill my puppy and then I go and kill your puppy then like what what has changed you know there's no evening out now now I'm the asshole now we're both just assholes you know so I mean I guess I mean I guess yeah it is a comfort but it's I'm not I'm not too worried about like oh no what if this person doesn't get their just desserts like <laughs> And in the grand scheme of things, like the people who are awful to me are are not as long lasting as the people who are good to me. And I like to think that that's how it is for most people. You know, like, like you remember the assholes, but then the assholes generally leave your life. And I, I'm and I'm the kind of person where I think like, you know, not having me in your life is like punishment enough. Like, <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like like that kind of like if you if you lead an ill life you you do eventually like lose those social connections that like make humans humans and that's that's another punishment or like I like to think it is but 
I, I guess to answer your question, yes, it is just me trying to make myself feel better. But you know, we all we all need to feel better. <laughs> you know? um, people will mm. oftentimes say when something bad happens, well, everything happens for a reason. And I call bullshit. I don't think that's true. I don't think everything happens because there's some grand plan where, and then so-and-so is supposed to lose their arm in a car accident and this person was supposed to die falling off of a cliff while they were skiing. That's bullshit. I don't think that that happened for a reason, but we who are left behind or we who suffer the pain of the things that happen can learn from those things. We can find meaning in the things that do happen but it doesn't mean that they happened for that particular reason. It just means that we found a reason in what happened. And there's a big difference there. For many, many years, I thought my lesson on this planet was to learn how to live, learn how to be alone. Because I was very codependent and I was always seeking outside approval. And, um, and now I, I'm on this journey of, I don't need other people's approval. I need to I need to approve of how I behave and how I interact in the world. So maybe the first part of my life lesson was to learn how to be alone so that I could learn how to be a better person. But I don't know what the next part of the lesson is. And I know there's more coming because I'm here today learning and I'm here today thinking and breathing. So something's to be learned here, but I don't know what it is. So maybe the less maybe the the meaning of life is live today <laughs> the meaning of life is I why there's the bumper sticker so hard. Yeah. hard question i don't think i want to use that answer <laughs> It is a hard question. What really is the point of all of this? Why do we try so hard to find the answer? Why has nearly every civilization on Earth built a belief system with guidelines to follow and goals to pursue? Talia, Anonymous, and our friend Subra Doyle had theories. Uh, in my in my opinion, religion is like uh, just a pillar to lean on. Um, I think religion and traditions and philosophy are important for the sake of our personal strength so that when we're going through dark times, we have something to lean on internally that gives us strength to keep moving forward. Whether it's true or not, it's something that we believe in and something that keeps moving us forward. And I think that's the true purpose of religion is to keep people going. For me, at least, I, I, the value that I find in it, honestly, I feel like belief systems provide hope. Um, hmm. At least for me, that's kind of a big thing. You know, hope that whatever we're going through or whatever we're dealing with, there's a reason for it. You know, if we, if we, and I, I know it's different, like, I don't haven't really gone into specifics or anything like about my beliefs, and that's like a whole different platform or whatever, but I guess just for me and for my girls, like the reason why I have kind of stayed with the faith that that I grew up with and why I have tried to kind of teach and implement and just set that example for them is I look back on my life and I look back through some of the situations that I have dealt with and honestly through situations that I'm currently dealing with. And I try to think of like, okay, what would it, what would it be like if I didn't have hope? If I didn't have hope in something, hope in a, 
mm-hmm. you know, belief or value system or whatever, if I didn't have this hope, like how different would these situations have been? And I honestly cannot imagine my life without having just that extra sense of hope. Um, so at least for me, I feel like belief in a value system and maybe a personal attachment to some kind of faith or a system of faith or, you know, just something extra. I feel like it offers just an extra sense of hope, a sense of comfort. I think people go, I think people go to it for, I think, you know, in a way it's kind of like training wheels, you know, yeah. it's like, I think of the 10 commandments, the 10 commandments is like training wheels, morality. You know, but like if you're the more conscious you become, you don't need the Ten Commandments. You know, you don't need. You know, you just know in your heart what's right and what's wrong. You know. Sure. Um. You know, and, and I think maybe belief systems are like that. I think maybe from a certain, um, from a certain, um, what's the word? From a certain stage in the journey, it's a, it works. You know, it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Just like training wheels are appropriate. You know, but I think at the same time. Once there's a certain level of maturity that's been achieved, um, I think that the beliefs can be let go of, and 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 I think that you can meet life directly without having to have a, a belief about it. You know, it's it's like it's like you know, if there's a steak in front of you, you don't need to believe anything about the steak. You just fucking eat the steak and enjoy it, bro. <laughs> you know, it's like you know what I'm saying. Like life, life is a like life is a meal to be enjoyed. It's not a menu to be analyzed. We wanted to spend a minute on Subra because he's had an interesting journey. He's actively studied to become a Jewish rabbi and a Buddhist monk, but somehow he always ends up back in the forest. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, when I was a child, I have a very distinct memory of, you know, maybe being like six years old or something and being in the forest and just kind of connecting to the trees and the, the light. And, you know, I just kind of felt very strongly like the presence of the divine, I suppose, is the best way to describe it, you know. And um, that was probably the first moment in my life, you know, when I felt something like that strongly. But it wasn't really safe. It was more like, it was more for me, I think it's more like presence is a better word for me. It's like, you know, like feeling the, I guess, feeling the presence of God or feeling the presence of the divine or something. As a creative person as a creative person myself i look at the world as a creation and i see the world as a piece of art and i see every person as a work of art and i see every tree as a work of art and when you appreciate creation and all the work of arts that you find in creation you can't help but then appreciate the creator you know i think for me when i realized that Judaism was less about experience and more about following the rituals. It just It's like the same reason I quit fucking band in, in seventh grade. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same fucking reason. It's just boring to me. Like, yeah. oh, you know, here's the sheet music and you just follow along yeah. and okay, here you go. But it's boring as fuck to me in the same way that going to synagogue is, okay, let's chant the Hebrew, same lines of Hebrew every single week and pat ourselves on the back and have some bread. Like... You know, it's kind of pointless to me. Like, you know, I'd rather just pick up, play my instrument and go to the forest and just play. I'd rather, you know, connect to God in my own way, you know? Yeah, but but what I did is when I moved to Berkeley, I befriended an Orthodox rabbi, now Lazy Welton, who's now a rabbi in New York City. 
But, um, you know, him and I became friends in this Berkeley City College, and, you know, he kind of got me to be more participating in the Orthodox synagogue, and he was trying to get me to join to do this program where I would have trained for, to be a rabbi, and it would have been free, and I would have just lived there for three months, and, you know, I used to go there for meals and stuff, but I left after a couple months because I just didn't, didn't feel right for me for the reasons I was just saying. And then that's when I started, I was about 19 at that point. And then when I turned 20 is when I started exploring um, Eastern traditions like Buddhism and Hinduism. Was there a specific catalyst for that? Or is it, had it just been something on your mind for a while and you just said, fuck it? Um, when I said, fuck it, it was just kind of this, I, I'm really good at trusting my gut. Mm. I always have been. And um, I just was, just one day I just went to the, you know, I was, I just didn't feel right, you know, I just, I was like, you know, I just didn't, I just wasn't feeling excited about it, and it just felt bland and dull, you know, and I was, like, more interested in experiential things like meditation and yoga, and mm. I was, like, you know, I was more interested in practices instead of books, you know, like, I, you know, sure. like, yoga and meditation is a practice, you know, I don't, I want to practice, I don't want, like, homework, you know, <laughs> to me, it's like, God isn't an intellectual exercise. Supra's studies led him face to face with doubts about what he had believed before. Those doubts ended up sending him on new and unexpected roads. Next, you'll hear from Mars Hintz, who also spent time floating through different religions before landing where she is now. You'll also hear from Jeremy and Talia again, who faced their own crises of faith. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I was traveling, I was experimenting with all kinds of different religions and uh, doing that thing that like privileged white people do where I was like dabbling my feet into all kinds of different faiths where they probably didn't really have any business being. But it's not that I like found like that, like one faith or another wrong. It's just like I found like it wasn't really right for me as like the descendant of like colonizers and somebody who's like my whole family is like steeped in like really oppressive religion and like really oppressive faith. So it's like, it seems like to me the work that that is most spiritual is like undoing that which was done in the name of like actually like false false gods who would like want bad things done you know witch burnings you know people have been like <laughs> oppressed for a really long time because of organized religion so I feel like finding finding a balance and like restoring balance in general after like all these centuries of work is like kind of called out to me especially like traveling i i was really dedicated uh to a personal like hippie faith of just like you know believing in like positive vibes and stuff like that and even that like creating my own like religion for myself ended up being not really productive and i felt like was a privilege in itself so i'm like trying to I don't know. Do something more productive with my my beliefs and my energy. It like took admitting that I'd been doing something wrong for like years, you know, mostly my whole life, you know, like and I think that that it was like realizing that I didn't just do something wrong. My mom did something wrong and it was like that that was like a real losing of religion for me. It was like me and all my friends were all kind of doing this like fucked up thing that we thought was really cool and it took like hearing it from people who weren't white saying things about like passing feathers in circles, being cultural appropriation, you know, the prayer beads, so many things, om symbols, so many things hippies mm. use and, like, misuse really radically. And it really took me, like, being an ignorant person, having my eyes open for me to, like, look around and realize, like, damn, like, it shouldn't take someone else to do that work. Like, 
we should all be doing this work ourselves as like descendants of colonizers like it's our job to decolonize and deconstruct like how we stole other people's face we shouldn't be just like perpetuating that theft we should be like doing our own part of the work to like figure out our own faith and like figure out like not just take it from other people like figure out our own thing for once and I feel like as white people like we have a really bad habit of doing that and not being able to have like our own culture we always got to take somebody else's but like maybe undoing our shitty past could be a part of our culture for like once I don't know uh the first time I doubted it was when me and a friend were having a conversation about masturbation. And he said, we were probably 13 or 14 at the time. And he was like, you know, masturbation is like a sin and you're going to hell, if, like based on, based on your church's beliefs. And I was immediate, I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> that can't be a sin. It can't be like, it's just, it's too good to be a sin, you know, like it just, it, it's, <laughs> uh, um, and so that was actually the, the first time I really doubted the church and and my beliefs is is because like it's because i i you know it, because i was so attached to it you know i like something so much even <laughs> why we're talking about masturbation i just want to be clear about that i like something so much that i did like i i couldn't i couldn't trade masturbation for for hell if that makes sense like like i was i was like i guess i'm going to hell because masturbating is great like so that was the first time i i started to doubt the church and when i doubted the church i that just that little bit of doubt was was enough to be like okay this doesn't seem right this doesn't seem right this doesn't seem right um and so immediately i was like i was like okay then hell and heaven are probably aren't a thing either so There's no, I can't imagine a God that wants you to suffer eternally. That doesn't make sense. If, if God yeah. is, a, is, is a good thing, he doesn't want people to suffer. There is no hell. It doesn't make sense to me. That, that is the dogma that gets you to do things for the church. Um, I don't believe there can be such thing as a heaven, like eternal happiness or bliss, because that you, because from what I've learned in this life, you need a polarity. You need to be sad sometimes in order to understand how good it, how, how good it can be. Um, and they're like their eternal happiness like doesn't make any sense you, you'd get boring after a while um, totally. there was i'm gonna i don't know who said this but the the quote is like um the perfect sine wave uh like co- cosine uh, this, this sine wave on a graph um mm-hmm. is in in relation to sound and audio it's nothing it it, it is no sound so and so he made the argument. He was like, "Perfection is literally nothing." And so um, we, our imperfections, are what designate character in a soul. Like that's where you get that's where you get the waves and and, and the, the the things that make up your personality. And that, and that's but like and and so you incorporate both. You incorporate both perfection and imperfection to make perfection. Like I don't think you can have an outcome that is imperfection. Um, I like Judaism's belief uh, that heaven is here on earth and so is hell um, because that's, that's what we make of it. Um, we are, it's our, up to us to recognize it. Basically um, we are the idea of an afterlife, the idea of God, heaven, anything is all incorporated into our life here and now. And that's what we pass up when we believe in something like a heaven or a hell or a church or a God or whatever is, is we pass up the life that we're living now. The Israel Palestine conflict is a, is a huge 
a huge issue for me to face and to work through because Israel is ingrained in my religion and in my personal family. Um, but there's a lot of really socially unethical things that happen out there. And yet I still have a love for the country because of my faith and because of my family. So it's, it's really like the mirror is being held up and, um, you know, I, I think that ultimately extremist ideology and religion really ruins it for everyone. Um, and that's just, it's really unfortunate because you can't really pick and choose, um, what parts of your religion to show to the world. Like you can, but there is still more truth and more like darker sides to it that do exist and you can't hide them forever. Do you feel like the, those who who do do that, who, who just try to focus on the positive aspects of their religion. Do you feel like that's insincere? I think it's more delusional than insincere. Cause some people like try to trick oh. themselves into thinking that what they're doing is right. Lots of people try to rationalize um, their extremism, which is unfortunate. And that's not like, I don't know if that, I mean, that's going past lying to yourself. That's, that's just, you know, deluding yourself into thinking that a lie is, is real. So now what? It seems most people agree that faith is a form of comfort, but one that can be deeply flawed and confusing. Our last big topic was to consider, how do you reconcile that? If the piece of a belief system comes with so much baggage, how do you keep yourself going? We finish up with advice from Jeremy, Anonymous, and Trajan. I really want to say you should journal. If you feel lost, if you feel like you need a therapist and can't afford one, journaling is the best alternative. Um, it is um, when you take the concept of psychoanalysis um, and you try to understand and reorganize who you are and how you behave and, and yada yada, it's it's like, it's almost literally testing your own faith um, in, in like yourself and the world. And so like you, 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 it, it, which is good because I mean, you could have faith in the wrong thing straight up. Like, like you, you could be, you could succumb to a cult, have faith that this cult is going to go into an afterlife as soon as you drink this juice and then you die. And then you, that's the wrong thing, obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so the concept of psychoanalysis and journaling is like, is like, okay, is, is this right? It, like, is, uh, is this behavior right? Is this thought pattern right? Like, it's, 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 it's no longer walking blindly by faith. I, I think you absolutely have the right to test your own faith and cultivate it yourself. Um, and so when you write, like, it's, it's the easiest way to focus your consciousness and when you focus on something, the subconscious is much, much more readily available to creep out. Um, and you, like, you just don't want to live um, succumbing to your subconsciousness all the time. And I think people that, um, that it's like, it's like avoiding the work. 
doing doing some of this work allows you to cultivate who you want to be rather than just life choosing you. Um, and so when you go, uh, I think that's a good way to end that actually, like <laughs> um, do some work on yourself a little bit all the time. Like I, so late, the last couple of years, I've just liked to write um, whether it doesn't have to be about anything um, just as long as you're writing. Like I have an alarm set nine o'clock every night, write even if it's just a sentence or a paragraph, anything. Um, and so even then, like if you're worried about leaving a legacy or like having an impact on people, like there is evidence that you were here and you had some ideas and you talked about them and like you try to work on yourself kind of thing. So like it helps with that too. And um, yeah, um, I'd like more people to journal. Faith isn't an exact science. You know, it's faith is is a belief to me, at least faith is a belief in something that I can't see. It is belief in um, something bigger than me and, and, you know, understanding beyond my own. And of course, there's going to be doubt, you know, you and, and it's it's not perfect. It's not it, it is always ever changing. Um, and I think that's kind of the thing with doubt, at least for me, that's where it is helpful to have to like be associated with others who maybe have a belief or, you know, a value system, because when you do have those moments of doubt, you're able to turn to others and, and kind of talk about it with them and, you know, see what's helped them or see what they've struggled with. And, um, you know, I, I grew up attached or associated with a specific faith system, a specific organization, but I had a lot of friends who were parts of other organizations. You know, I went to, Growing up, I remember I went to different like church services and, and masses and youth organizations and activities and things of of a number of different faiths. And I learned about different religions. And um, as you do that, because you you will, you know, as you explore different faiths and different faith systems, you do kind of run into conflicting ideas and conflicting ideals between them. And so that right there is going to stem some doubt um, because okay, well, if this is true for me and this is true for them, how can these two both be true at the same time? So, you know, that in and of itself is going to create some doubt, but just going through personal struggles and trials, you know, things that maybe question your belief system or question um, maybe what you've believed your whole life, like that is a very real thing. And it, it should be. I mean, that's kind of how you I guess, test and define and explore your own personal growth within that faith. I, I mean, I don't believe in like a physical or like, like, I, I don't necessarily believe that like my, like, I'm going to be like either like stewing in hell or like sitting on a cloud in heaven or like anything like that. I think um, the afterlife is really like people's memories of you. Hmm. You know, it's not like a physical afterlife or like something you're conscious of. Um, like my favorite book um, is The Red Tent. Um, and it kind of takes you throughout the main character's life and a little bit into her death. Um, and she like she dies, but she's still like kind of conscious because there are people that are like talking about her and like her items are still in the world and like you know her cooking pot is here her shawl is mm. here and um like even after like that like her husband dies and you know her son dies her grandchildren still remember her 
and they tell their children about it and like the more people that are talking to her the more like vibrant her like pers her um persona mm -hmm. is but you know as less as time goes on less people and less people like remember you personally and tell about you so like her presence kind of dims but she's always still kind of there because even after all of these years like there's still some memory of her there's still some essence of her in the world so i think that's kind of how i believe in the afterlife is like as long as you're still like people are still remembering you and there's still things that you've done in the world you know like whether that's like a book you wrote or like uh like something you like sewed you know or like something you like made out of wood or whatever i think as long as there's still like tangible or you know intangible memories or items of you like you still exist you know and i think that's part of the reason why i love history so much is like it's really cool that like even like 3000 years later we're finding like part like pottery shards and like those pottery shards came from like a pot that someone made and then someone used someone made stew out of it somebody used it to like apply makeup you know like there is like this like cosmetic jar that they found from like Pompeii that still had fingerprints in it and like that's so freaking cool to me because that's like that's tangible proof that like this person existed and was using face cream like this person had an entire life and part of it was I need to use my face cream every day and that that's that's how I that's how I picture an afterlife is like somebody finding something of mine 2000 years ago and like remembering that I existed wow. I guess just like my faith still is just like faith in humanity which you know has been tested <laughs> over the past year just seeing how many people just don't care but I still do at the end of the day in my my deepest heart I still believe that people ultimately want to do good and I think most people given the chance do choose the right way instead of the wrong way um you know sometimes they'll choose e sometimes they'll choose the easy way sometimes they'll choose the wrong way but I do still think that people have remorse mm. and you know they try and you know make up for that in in different ways so I guess like I, I I do believe that deep in our hearts we all want to do good and sometimes we're just misguided so that's that's how I that's how I sleep <laughs> at night thank you for listening to this episode of stereo shoes Make sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review on your app of choice. <laughs> Next month's theme will be new beginnings, so join us for new stories and new voices. If you're interested in contributing, email taylor at laughingpigtheater.org or message Laughing Pig Theater on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Special thanks to this month's contributors, Trajan Dunkley, Talia Lehrer, Subra Doyle, Lee Quarry, Mars Hintz, Anonymous, Chris Chavez, and Jeremy Niblett. And thank you to our team, Casey Anderson, Alex Hollis, Phoebe Kozinets, Elena Bear, and Tony Machetti.